Beloved, you are listening to Grace Life Komi Podcast, a platform commissioned by God to raise men into completeness in Christ Jesus. We believe that you will be blessed beyond measure as you give yourself wholly to this divinely inspired teaching. Through God's servant Pastor Chimdi Ohahuna. Grace to you. Jesus is Lord. Amen. Well, welcome to another time of fellowship again. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah to Jesus. And um, we trust God we're going to have a blessed time today learning um, at the feet of Jesus. Praise God. Now, um, one thing we need to know is that every time we have opportunity to learn God's word, is an addition to our lives. Amen to Jesus. Um, life is filled with a lot, a whole lot. And the amount of God's word you have in you is what will determine how you can be able to maneuver through life and not get beaten by life. Are we together? And that's the reason why we keep getting to know more of God's word. Amen to Jesus. A lot of questions bothering our hearts as Christians. There's a lot to be answered. There's a lot to learn. There's a lot to know. And the Christian life is a very, you know, easy life where we have the Holy Spirit teaching us the Word of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? We're not going to be having a lot of struggles. Are we together? We're not going to have a lot of struggles. Your life, your Christian life is going to be going, you know, smoothly because the Holy Spirit is teaching you. Are you getting what I'm saying? Um, I'm not saying that in real life there will be no challenges, but your Christian life will be going smoothly because the Holy Spirit is teaching you. And because the Christian life is going smoothly, you can be able to maneuver through the challenges of life and they cannot beat you. Are you getting what I'm saying? And that's the reason for such, you know, fellowships we have. Um, I was talking to somebody and I, and I made the person understand um, there are a lot of questions in the heart of Christians. And there's still a lot to learn. Are we together? And that's the reason for such kind of meetings. So that we can learn more. The more you know, the more successful you are in life. Are you getting what I'm saying? The more successful you are in life. Are we together? And so that's why we are studying, we are learning, we are asking questions. We are growing because very soon you will need this information that you are receiving from God's word in your daily life to be able to maneuver through things in life. Praise God forevermore. Alright, we've been looking at the miracles of Jesus and we've been on the first miracle that Jesus did. Amen to Jesus. Um, the question you asked that day, we answered it in about three lessons ago. I think three lessons ago. You can't remember the question you asked. You remember the question you asked? That very particular question. And I told you that I will not answer it that day. And I was going to answer it in a lesson. All right, we answered it in about three lessons ago. We studied it and it was, it was very exciting in teaching. Amen. So um, you can go on, um, online and listen to it. you get the answer. Um, I think all the links on these miracles of Jesus, we compile them and we send them out on WhatsApp. So uh, your WhatsApp? You sent me okay, so we'll send the, the links to you. I think we'll specify the one that your answer you're looking for so that you can go listen to it. It's online, it's a podcast, and then get all your get your answer there. All right, praise God forevermore. All right, we'll be looking at um, why did Jesus do this first miracle? Why did he turn water to wine? We've been having so many reasons why he turned water to wine, and today we're gonna to be looking at another reason why Jesus turned water into wine. One of the things this study has helped us do is to help us understand how easy, let me use the word, how easy miracles are and how available they are. Are you get what I'm saying? So now when I pray, I pray and I say, Lord, Jesus performed the miracle to prevent shame, embarrassment, and trouble for the couple. Lord, I will not see shame. I will not see embarrassment. I will not see what? Trouble. You give me a miracle to prevent it. Now, I can pray with a better understanding. Now, you get what I'm saying? Praise God forevermore. So, it makes miracles on a, like a daily affair to me. And it makes miracles, that means the word, easy for me. Praise God forevermore. Uh, because when we talk about miracles, most of the time, more of us think of the big things. You know, the man of God waved his hand like this. And then five, 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 five people fell. And then... The person just jumped out of the wheelchair. Those are miracles. Yes, I agree. But now we need to understand miracles on a daily basis. That this thing can happen to me every day. Some of us wait for a miracle service before we receive a miracle. 
But that is not the original plan of miracle. Miracle is meant to be a daily experience. So I don't need to wait for a miracle meeting or a miracle service before I get a miracle. I can get a miracle every day. And that's the reason why we are studying these miracles of Jesus. So we can appropriate it in our lives on a daily basis. And we can pray it every day. Me and my family, when we wake up in the morning, we pray today, we receive the miracle of today. Now, we don't need a prophet to pray for us. We don't need a pope, a bishop to pray. Today, I receive the miracle because of this study. It has been helping me. Amen. And I believe it will help all of us. Alright, so Jesus did this miracle um, because he wanted to reveal to us that he loves us with an everlasting love. Jesus turned this water to wine because he wanted to reveal to us that he loves us with an everlasting love. Now, far more than save the couple from shame, embarrassment, and trouble, which was a show of love to them, we know. He saved them from shame, embarrassment, and trouble, and that was a show of love. Are we together? In our previous lesson, we understood that that lesson was really um, a blessing. Is that not so? Um, the, 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 I, I did some other studies again, and I discovered that almost everybody was saying the same thing. That the couple, they did not know who did the miracle. The governor of the feast did not know who did the miracle. The guests did not know who did the miracle. It's only the servants that knew who did the miracle. And the, the, the couple, the governor, and the guests did not even care to know who did it. Are you get what I'm saying? But even though they did not care, it didn't stop God from loving. So even when we do not love God, it doesn't stop God from loving us. The Bible says God commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Like I always say, we did everything for God not to love us. Are we together? We did everything for God not to love us. Because we were sinners. And according to our situation, God was not meant to love us. Are you getting what I'm saying? But while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us. So the love of God is not based on what we do or what we don't do. It's not based on who we are. If God's love is based on who we are, then God will not send Jesus to die for us when we're sinners. Because who are we then? We're sinners. The Bible says we're enemies of God then. Aliens from the commonwealth of Zion. So that means that we're not meant to be in any way partakers of what? The love of God. So if we are to walk on based on who we are and what we do, God is not meant to do what? Send his love towards us. But God does not love us because of who we are. Neither does he love us because of who, what we do. He loves us because of who he is. The Bible says in 1 John, for God is love. So God loves us because he is love, not because of who we are. And that's the basis of God's love. That's why his love is unconditional. And let me let you understand something. God will not love you any better when you do something good. You, see, you, see, you have to do good things so God will love you more. No. God will not love you any better when you do something good. God loves you with a love that is unconditional. So whether you do good or you do bad, that love remains what? Unconditional. What you have to do is to do what? Is to be conscious of the love. That's all. You know, my daughter asked me, say, so does God um, love people that are sinners? I say, yes, he loves sinners. God does not hate anybody and he cannot hate anybody. In fact, it's not in the nature of God. But somebody will say, but the Bible says God hated Esau and he loved Jacob. You've seen that your Bible is done also. Now, if you look at the original Hebrew text there, it is not a literal word, hate. It actually means God had less preference for Jacob, for Esau, sorry, and more preference for what? Jacob. He loved them, but there was a higher preference and a lower preference. Are we together? Because of the conditions surrounding them. But God cannot hate. Are you getting me? So this miracle was done by Jesus to reveal to us that God was loves us. Are we together? This miracle of Jesus was to show the love of God to mankind. Amen. The presence of Jesus on earth was the proof 
of the great and everlasting love God has for man. Now, so more often than not, when we look at Jesus, we look at Jesus in many lights, but we don't look at him in the original light. And that's the reason why I see that when we are talking about Jesus-centered messages, people always do not understand what we are saying. When we are talking about Jesus-centered messages, we are talking about the whole message that God sent. Now, God did not send money to earth when man sinned. God did not send cars. I'm not against those things. I get what I'm saying. They are very good. God did not send houses. I get what I'm saying. He didn't send husband. He didn't send wife. God sent Jesus. Why will he send Jesus instead of sending husband, wife, cars, houses, and what else again? And the list. Our problem was not what husband and wife could solve as sinners. Our problem as in sin was not what um, house and car could solve. It was not what money could solve. Our problem was only what love can solve. So God the Father sent Jesus to be what? The physical manifestation of his love. Popular verse of scripture, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should know what? Perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Are we together? So when God loved the world, he did not give the world more houses, more cars, more this, more that. When he loved the world, his proof to the world love that I love the world was to send his son, Jesus. Now, so we must understand something that God's greatest proof of his person, his existence, his power, and his miraculous ability is not enlightening. God to the children of Israel told um, Moses, Tell them I want to speak with them. And when they came towards the mountain, they said, It's in lightning, they said, It's in thunder. And they told Moses, Please. Help us go and talk to God. When you finish talking to him, come back and tell us what God has to say. But for us, we cannot manage his thunder. And everywhere was shaking. We cannot manage it. Now, more often than not, we see we feel the power of God when we see something shake. When we feel a lightning, when we feel a thunder. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, that's what we feel that God is powerful. The power of God is at work. I, I, I was talking last week and I told a testimony of how in one of our meetings one day, um, I was teaching and I finished teaching. I, 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 by word of knowledge, I, told, I said there's somebody here who has marks, incisions on her body. Her body was marked. And the lady came out. And as she came out and as I laid my hands on her, she fell under the power of God. And after the meeting, she went and told one of my sisters, she said, man, one of God is powerful. There's power here. Now, so if there is no falling, there is no power. If there is no word of knowledge, there is no power. Are you gonna now? I'm not against this. In, are you gonna say? I'm not against them. They are very good. They are good. Are you getting me? But now we have limited the power of God to these things: the lightning, the thunder, the falling. Are you getting what I'm saying? The shouting, the screaming. Are you getting me? And then we've we've, we've limited them to the miracles. Those kind of you see somebody. From stand up from the wheelchair, they are good. Those things are good. I could give testimonies on and on of miracles that I've seen God do in ministry. Are you getting what I'm saying? I'll give testimonies on and on. By the privilege of God, with everywhere that I've landed to do ministry, I have seen miracles. It's not like I am not seeing it. In fact, in a Elmina already, I have already seen too. Have I not seen? I have seen miracles. So it's not like I am against miracles. I, I see them. God uses me to perform miracles. But we need to understand more than just the things we feel, the things we touch, the things we experience. We need to understand it more than that. Are you get what I'm saying? There is more to it than meet the eyes. So the, so the, so the, 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 the greatest proof of God's person and his power and his existence and his miraculous ability is not the lightning, it's not the thunder, it's not the earthquake. It's not the um, raising of the dead, the healing of the sick, and you know, the list goes on. Because when we want to say, how do we know God is alive? It's all these things we call, are we together? But you see, that's not the greatest proof of God's power, presence, person, existence. Are we together on earth? Praise God. God's greatest proof of his person, his existence, his power, 
and his miraculous ability is in his love for mankind. That's the greatest proof. His love for mankind. You know, so for, how wonderful it is for something that looks so weak to be the strongest. Because when you talk about love, it speaks more of like weakness. Are we together? People believe that love makes you weak. But we must understand something that even the Bible says, God says he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And the weak things to do what? To confound the what? The strong. So God's greatest proof of his existence, of his power, of his presence, of his person, of his miraculous ability, is his love for mankind. And that love was manifested physically in the person of Jesus Christ. So God's greatest proof of his power, of his miraculous ability, of his existence, of his person, is Jesus. That's the greatest thing. Are we together? So God loved and we ever love man from when he created Adam. Now, this makes us understand something, that there is no point God has to prove to us again. I, I get what I'm saying. Some people say, God, prove to me. There's no point God has to prove to us again. Sending Jesus is all the proofs he has. Jesus coming to earth is all the proofs he has. After all, when Jesus came, while he walked the face of the earth, he did all kinds of miracles. Is that not so? God does not have any point to prove to us again. God, prove to me that you are God. Go and read Jesus. God, prove to me that you are alive. Go and read about Jesus. When, when John the Baptist asked, sent his boys to go and meet Jesus, and he asked Jesus, I beg, uh, my master said we should ask you, are you the Messiah? Or we should expect another. What did Jesus tell him? Jesus not here, why would he be talking like that? Does he not know I'm the Messiah? Come on, I'll prove to him I'm the Messiah. Jesus did not try to prove it. What did Jesus reply to him? He said, go and show your master that the blind see, the lame walk, the dead are brought back to life, the dead fear. Blessed is the man that is not offended in me. In other words, I don't need to prove any point to your master again that the Messiah. They have seen all the proofs why he was even outside before he entered into what? Into the prison. He has seen the proofs. So go and rehearse the proofs to him again. Go and remind him of the proof. I don't need to prove anything. God does not have any point to prove to us again. He has proved everything by sending Jesus. God's love is his ultimate proof. It is all it is it is it is zenith of his proof. You don't need any special miracle again to see that God is alive. When you see Jesus, you know he's alive. When you read about Jesus, you know he's alive. You don't need any special proof to show that God loves you again. Read about Jesus. You know that God loves you. And last week we understood that Jesus told the disciples, follow me. Is that they followed him, they now believed him. But now we want to... After they followed him before, he showed them a sign for them to believe. So what was the basis of which he followed him initially? Not a sign, but an attraction. Love was what drew them to him. Now, when love draws people to God, with or without a sign, they will still love God. But when it is signs and wonders that draw them to God, they will keep looking for one sign or the other to remain in God. And when sign and wonder is no longer coming again, they port to the next place. And that's how we have porting Christians today. Because what drew them to God was not love. But actually what God sent was love. God did not send a miracle. He sent love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only because he said for God so loved the world that he sent a a miracle. No. He gave his only begotten son. So until we get it right and understand that what brings us to God is his law. Not the things we ask for. Not the signs. Until we get it right, we will still be leaving it wrong. The Bible says, Paul was speaking, he said, the Jews seek a sign and the Greeks seek knowledge. But Christ is both the wisdom and the power of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? It got to a point that the Pharisees asked Jesus, what work will you do for us? Hey, with all the miracles they have seen, they seek him and ask Jesus, oh yeah, do another miracle again, so we believe you. You see, let me tell you something. If people will not believe Jesus, if they will not follow Jesus for love, they will not follow him for miracles. Because they have been seeing different miracles. They were the ones who were criticizing his miracles. 
Yeah, they are still asking to do something again for them to delete. If you will not follow Jesus for the love who he is, you will not follow him for the miracle he gives. And this is why I'm missing it in church a lot. Like I told you, I believe in miracles. I've seen miracles. And I will yet see miracles. But I believe in the real thing. Praise God forevermore. <laughs> God loves and will forever love man from when he created Adam. This truth is seen in, in the way God created Adam, which was in his image and likeness. God's love for man eh, was seen in the way God created Adam. He loved man, he will forever love man. In the way he created it makes us know that God loves man. Not just he loves man, his love for man is special. How did God create Adam? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27 said, And God said, Let us make man in our own image and after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over all the cattle, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. Male and female created he them. Now, but the Bible says in verse 26, Let us make man in our own what? Image and what? Likeness. Praise God forevermore. Now, the word image there, um, and likeness, they are Hebrew words that I will not want to bore us with. Are you get what I'm saying? But I'll give us the meaning of these Hebrew words. You get what I'm saying? So we we'll know how God created man. Now, so God created God's love, God loved man so much that he created only man to be his resemblance and representative on earth. In other words, his image. So the image means resemblance and what? Representative. I told them once in one of the meetings, I said, do you know what God looks like? That's how God looks like. This is how God looks like. This is how God looks like. This is how God looks like. That is how God looks like. So when we get to heaven, we'll be all surprised. We'll stand before the Lord and you tell your brother, say, you say, Rachindi, see you. See God, it just looks like me. Ah, and I'll say, ah, no, 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 no. It's me that God looks like. I know, see, can't you see it? And then, Safinomina will say, ah, can't you see that? Ah, God just looks like me. And then, no, 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 no. It's me it looks like. And that will be the argument we have there. And all of us will be right. We'll all be right. No one of us will be wrong. Because we are made in his word. Image. That means what? We are his resemblance and his representative. It was the extravagant love he had that made himself in a human suit. I get what I'm saying. Not just only to resemble him, but to what? Represent him. To represent him means that what we he eat, what he will do on earth, we are the ones to do it. That's why Jesus said, Whatever you bind on earth is what? Bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth is lose. Why not? Why did he say that? It is because we are representative. That means decree starts from here and is established there. Decree does not start from there. It starts from what? Here. So if we are not passing decrees, heaven is, heaven is not sanctioning anything. So heaven is just to place a rubber stamp on what we say. It takes love for somebody to create somebody and give him that kind of level of power. <laughs> Praise God forevermore. God loved man so much that he created only man to be his model, his shape, his fashion, his likeness, his manner, and his similitude. That's what it means to be what? Likeness. So image is what? Resemblance and representative. Likeness is what? The same shape, the same model, the same fashion, the same manner. And the same similitude. So this too makes us understand that when we go before God, when we look at God, is ourselves we see. It takes love for divinity, God, to create Himself in humanity. Divinity to create Himself in humanity. Now, Miss, let me put it this way: God. He's supernatural. He's spiritual. Are you get what I'm saying? He, he had to lower himself to become a human. To be you and me. That's what creation is all about. Um, um, 
is in electronics is called step down. Is that not so? God had to step down himself to create you and I. So when you look at yourself, you see the step down version of God. But the Bible says that when we, when we, when we, Apostle Paul says, we shall put away this mortality and put on what? Immortality. And we shall be as he is. Are you getting what I'm saying? That is when we have now been what? Stepped up. But the form, the likeness, everything still remains the same. The resemblance is the same. Just that it's in a step down manner. Mortality. Are you getting what I'm saying? Humanity. But when we put off mortality and put on immortality, we get to the full manner. And that's the show of God's love. The peak of his love. Praise God forevermore. Hallelujah, Hallelujah to Jesus. Now, in addition to all of this show of love, God blessed man after creating him without man requesting for the blessing or without even getting man's permission. We must realize something. Look at Genesis 1 verse 28. It says, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over everything that moveth upon the earth. God blessed them. Adam was still a statue when God blessed him. Adam did not request for the blessing. God gave him the blessing without permission. Are you getting what I'm saying? So, in other words, the blessing was, let me use it like this, enforced on man. God did not take permission from man. A man did not request from God before God blessed him. What is that called? That's called unconditional law. Matthew chapter 7 verse 7, Jesus said, That's and it shall be given unto you. Seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. But in Genesis chapter 1 verse, 1 verse 26, 27, 28, man did not ask for blessing. It was given unto him. Man did not seek, uh, seek for blessing. It was given unto him. Man did not knock for blessing. It was given unto him. Without his request. And this is the reason why we need to understand something. That I see, the love of God is a love that is unconditional. It's overflowing. It's lavishes. Are you getting what I'm saying? That's the reason why it doesn't even take permission from you to love you. When you wanted to marry your wife, you have to take permission from her to love her. Is that not so? My dear, I want to love you and come make you my wife. Is that not so? And she agreed. You have to take her permission. If you didn't take her permission, she cannot accept you as her husband. Is that not so? Eh? I took permission from my wife to marry her, <laughs> to love her as her husband. There are many ladies out there. I cannot love them as my wife. You cannot love them as your wife. Why? Because you have no permission <laughs> to love them. Are you getting what I'm saying? You have to get their permission to love them. And God says it's one, only one. And so you have permission of only one. But you know the beautiful thing about God's love for us is that God did not take our permission before he loved us. He did not seek our permission before he loved us. He did not seek our consent before he loved us. He forcefully loved us. <laughs> Are you getting what I'm And you know, even when, even when we became sinners, he still forcefully did what? Loved us again. See, there's one thing that God eh, will not will not take your consent to do for you. It is called his love. Every other thing, God will take your consent before he does it for you. Are you getting what I'm saying? He will take your consent. God will not force his decisions on you. Anything you want, to, he will not force his decisions on you. But when it comes to his love, God will not take your consent. He will love you. Let me write like this. He loves us by force. Whether we accept it or not, he still loves us by force, without our consent. And this was God's extravagant and lavish show of love to man. Extravagant and lavish show. Now, why does God love like this? Because God has too much love. I get what I'm saying. He has, as Messiah put it, he has excess love. Now, even the love of God is more than sufficient for the whole humanity. And you know what? God does not just only just love you, you, um, humankind alone. He had a spillover of his love to the whole of creation. Just that the love he has for man is what? Is a special love. But his love spills over to the whole of creation. It's an extravagant show of love. It's a lavish show of love. Are we together? 
And this was why David in Psalm 8 verse 4 asked the question, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visited him? What is this man? Are you getting what I'm saying? What is this man that you're mindful of him? You're so mindful of him. What is this man? Are you getting me? What is this man that you're so mindful of him? The love of God is what reveals to us the value that God places on man. Are you getting what I'm saying? And we need to understand something. Somebody asked a question once. Between Jesus and mankind, who does God the Father love more? It was a tough question. Because God the Father loves his son so much that he gave his son to die for the world. Now, who does he love more between the son and the world? The Bible says, greater love had no man than a man laid down his life for his work, for his friend. So, first things first is that we need to understand something. That the love that God had for man, for sending Jesus, was greater love that no man had. So, it was, let me use the word, the greatest love that any man could ever have. Why? Because Jesus came as a man. So, Jesus loved as God but through a man's body. And the love that Jesus released was a love that was greater than any love any man can ever have. Are you getting what I'm saying? It, no man can have that kind of love. So in other words, in a human suit, no man could ever love like Jesus. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then God commended his love towards us. Now, why were yes, not Christ died for us? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So now, when we combine the love of the Father, which is a lavish love, why? Because he's love. God loves because he's love. Not because we are, we are in a position to be loved. He loves because he's love. Now, if we combine the love of the Father, which is a lavish love, to the love of the Son, which is a love that is greater than any love any man can give, it is what you call unconditional love. It cannot be explained. Are we together? And that's why David asked that question. He asked the question. The love God has for man is the reason why even when Adam sinned against him in the Garden of Eden, if you look at Genesis chapter 3, if you look from verse, if you look from verse um from verse 1 to 14 and verse 21 to 24 is a long reading. We may not be able to read it now because of time. Are you getting what I'm saying? But you can read it. Many of us know this storyline. Are you getting what I'm saying? Now, I will not read that because of time. But if you look at what transpired there, we discover that after man sinned, the Bible says after man sinned, he discovered that he was naked. Are you getting me? Now, if you check in verse 2, chapter 2, sorry, they said man was naked but not ashamed. Chapter 2. Now, but in chapter 3, now, man now discovered that he's naked. Now, in chapter 2, man was naked, but he did not know. That's why he was not ashamed. Are you getting me? Why was this so? Because he, he was covered by, with the glory of God. Are you getting what I'm saying? All right. Now, in, the, in chapter 3, he becomes naked and he knows that he's naked. And he becomes ashamed. Now, because he has received knowledge that he was not meant to receive. Now, we, in one of our teachings, we understood, if you go to our podcast, and I, we, we did a, teaching, a study on this, and we understood that, why did God tell Adam not to eat the fruit um, of knowledge and evil? Why did God tell him? Okay, beautiful, I like the answer, it's close to it. So that I will not, will not say, okay, beautiful, ah, having beautiful answers. You try, come on, you can't say nothing, nothing at all. Try something. Try something. We are all learning. Hey, why, why? No idea. Okay. Good idea today. Man's calling the test man of yours. All right, beautiful. Okay. All right. Hey, you want to say something? Can you see one hand like this? All right. Now, <laughs> okay. Praise God forevermore. Now, it, 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 we, are, we, are, we are all right. Are you getting what I'm saying? We are all right. Now, but there's a major point we need to get to understand here. Now, God created two trees in the center of the garden. Are you getting me? And there were trees around the garden. 
One was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The other was the tree of what? Life. Now, and God did not God did not tell Adam, don't eat of the tree of life. Why? Because the tree of life, Adam, according to the way he was created, he already had it in him. Are you getting me? He was to live forever on earth. Are you getting me? Alright. But God tells him, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of knowledge and good of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, the reason why God tells him that is because Adam was all-knowing like God. Bible says in chapter 2, when God created the animals, he brought them to Adam to see what Adam will name them. And he says, and whatsoever Adam named them, that was their name. He didn't say that would be their name. He said that was their name. Now, number one, he says, whatsoever he named them, that was their name. That means that was the name that God had in his mind already for the animals. So after God created Adam, he wanted to test Adam's IQ to, be, to see that who he has created is actually functioning in his IQ. Because when he created Adam, he breathed into him. When he breathed into Adam, he actually breathed, the word breath there is the word in the Hebrew, Neshama, which means spirit, soul, intellect, divine inspiration, inspiration, the spirit of man. Are you getting me? So when God breathed into Adam, he actually breathed himself into Adam. And now, when you, when you create a device, the next thing you do is to test the device. Is that not so? So he wanted to test, number one, the Adam you have created, if actually that spirit he breathed, himself is breathed, is functional. And so when Adam named all the animals the way he named them, he said, yes, this device is called acting the way I have created it to, to act. In other words, I am inside him. Are you getting me? Now, the second thing there is, for God to breathe into Adam, God gave Adam a God consciousness. So Adam had a consciousness of God. That was why he was naked and not what? Ashamed. Because he was conscious of God. Not conscious of his what? Physical flesh. Are you getting me? The knowledge he had was the knowledge of God. There's a spirit in man and the breath of God Almighty gave him understanding. The knowledge he had was the knowledge of God. So he knew himself from God. Are you getting me? And uh, Second Corinthians three verse eighteen: As we beheld in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are changed into the same image from what glory to glory. We look at the mirror. Are you getting what I'm saying? And then we begin to become more like what we see in the mirror. Why? Because the mirror is actually the word of God. We are looking at the word of God. We are seeing the word of God. And we are looking like the word of God. So Adam was actually created as you know in the image and likeness of God, in the consciousness of God. In the knowledge of God. So what he knew about himself was God. He didn't know this. Are you getting what I'm saying? He didn't know it. But when he ate that knowledge of good and evil, he got a new knowledge. And that knowledge was the knowledge of himself as a man. And when that knowledge came, what happened? He fell from the consciousness of God. From the knowledge of God. From knowing himself as God, from God's perspective, to not knowing himself from a fallen man. And God said, man has fallen. So the problem was his knowledge, his consciousness. And God never wanted man to be conscious of himself. But God wanted man to be conscious of him. Now, have you noticed, the more you get more conscious of yourself, the more you get less conscious of God. And the more fear comes up. The more, what else again? Anxiety. Uh, what else again? Worry. What else again? There are many. Why? Because you have just become conscious of yourself. Let me explain it a little for you. Peter saw Jesus walking on the water. And he said, Ah, Master, if that is you, tell me to come. And Jesus said, Come. And Peter was looking at Jesus. He was conscious of Jesus. And he was walking on water. Why he remained conscious of Jesus? He was walking on water. But the moment he removed his gaze from Jesus and became conscious of himself and said, this is actually me walking. What happened? The Bible said he began to what? Sing. That was Adam's problem. It's a consciousness thing. Are you getting something? And that's what God wants us to remain. He wants us to just remain conscious of him. Are you getting what I'm saying? Just conscious of him. Praise God forevermore. Now, so, but when Adam sinned, 
Adam has become conscious of himself. But yet, that should have been, God should have said, Abba, you have not become conscious of yourself. I'm angry with you now. Are you getting me? Adam sold fig leaves, him and Eve, to cover themselves. I don't want to go into the fig leaves talk now because fig leaves is another study on its own. Are you getting what I'm saying? But God knew that fig leaves are not the right covering for them because their covering was God. But they are lost consciousness of God. And now God has to give them a temporary covering. Are you getting what I'm saying? The next thing he did was that he clothed man who was naked and ashamed. That was a show of love. Is that not so? Because if there was no love there, God that said, all right, you become conscious of yourself, so take care of yourself now. But God did not even leave the man who has sinned against him to take care of himself. Love will not allow man to take care of himself, even though man has sinned against God. So God still took care of him. Is this not by first love? Is this not by first love? Is it not by first love? He loves you by force. You have even sinned. Yes, he will still forcefully love you. Some of us are going through some things in our lives and we are saying, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh, this thing is not sweet, it's not sweet. God says, I'm, by I'm loving you by force. These things you are going through, I'm loving you by force because if I don't allow these things to happen to you, if I don't allow you to go through this thing by force, you will not become who I want you to be. So you know, <laughs> Also, to prevent man from eating the fruit, you see, the next thing that God did was that when man sinned, he loved man again by giving man clothing. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because man now has become self-conscious and the more man looks at himself, the more man becomes condemned. God had to reduce the level of condemnation. At least, we know that on an average, we only see our nakedness when we are about to bath or when we are about to change clothes. Is that not so? About 24 hours of the day, we are clothed. Is that not so? Uh -huh. So, God had to reduce the level of condemnation that man will go through. Because the more, the more man sees himself naked, the more man wallows in condemnation. So God said, let me see clothe you. So at least 20, 22 hours, 23 hours, uh, over, close to 24 hours of the day, you are covered. So that you will not be seeing condemnation. That is still the excess law that says I will still cover you even though you have what? You have gone below the standard. And in addition, in addition to that, what did God do? In addition to that, he drove man away from the garden and put angels there. Why? To prevent man from eating the tree of what? Life. That, is, that was God's final show of love to man in the garden. Now, why did God drive man away from the garden? And prevent him from eating the tree of life. God, you have committed sin, all right, beautiful. That's wonderful. That's an answer. Oh, yeah. You try something, try something. Why are you thinking? Please give me. All right, beautiful. Nice answer also. Answer. This guy's a bad guy. Hi. Continue, 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 continue. This guy's a bad guy. Finish it. This guy's a bad guy. Hey. Give me a handshake. How old are you? 16, all right. Beautiful. He has, he has gotten 90% of the whole answer. Adam had gone into a fallen state. Are you get what I'm saying? And that was a state of sin. And in that state of sin, if God had allowed Adam to eat that tree of life, that means Adam will live forever as a sinner. No hope for redemption again. If God did not drive Adam out, God the Father would have not been able to send Jesus. So Adam would have, mankind would have been damned for eternity. No hope of salvation. Living forever with sin is living in hell. Why on earth? 
and God in his by force law. He drove man away again. Is this not by force law? Is it not forceful law? Imposing the law by force on us. That's the reason that God does for us that he doesn't take our permission to do it, to love us. And so we can see how God lavished his love on man. And then he kept on lavishing his love on man through the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, man had to atone for his sin using the blood of animals and using offerings. And this was for man to still stand before God who cannot behold sin. If you go to Exodus, Exodus 29 verse 36, it says, And thou shalt offer every day a bullock for a sin offering for atonement, and thou shalt cleanse the altar when thou hast made an atonement for it, and thou shalt anoint it to sanctify it. Exodus 30 verse 15 says, The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. When they give an offering unto the Lord to make atonement for, their, for your soul. You see now, so God did not want man to be far from him. So God still gave provision for man to be coming close to him by what? By man atoning for his sin. Using the blood of animals and using what? Offerings. Still, he must love man. It is not by first love. Finally, God the Father sent Jesus Christ, the fullness of his love, to die for the sins of mankind once and for all and obtain eternal redemption for us. Romans chapter 5 verse 18, For God commended his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is one of my best verses in the Bible. But God commended his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners. We have done everything for God not to love us. Yet, he sent Jesus to die for us. He still forcefully loves us. Even when we don't give him permission. Some of us are not giving God permission to love him, love us. But he's still forcefully loving us. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 7 says, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Having obtained what? Eternal redemption. Eternal redemption. What does eternal mean? Everlasting. That means the redemption that Jesus obtained for us is eternal. It's not short-lived. Are you getting what I'm saying? It is an eternal redemption. All we need to do is to receive this eternal redemption. But if God did not drive Adam from the garden, Jesus would have not been able to come and obtain what? See, God is a master chess player. Is a master chess player. He's a million moves ahead of the devil. A million is too small. A billion. What else again? He's just eternity moves ahead of the devil. Why did this happen? Because of eternal redemption. So that you and I can still have hope of eternal life. And all this was just God's game plan of love. It was his love game plan. It was his love game plan. No wonder David said in Psalm 136 verse 4, he said to him, who alone doeth great wonders for his mercy endureth forever. I like the way the Easy English translation put it. It says, Thank the Lord because only he does great miracles. And because his kind love will always continue. Do you know why God does great miracles? Because of his kind love. So when his love is removed from the picture, there is no miracle, sir. Remove the love of God, you don't have any miracle. <laughs> so that's why the focus has to be on his love, not on the things. I you get what I'm saying? When our focus is on his love, the byproducts will come. I'm closing now. I'm closing now. Jesus was, is, and will forever be the greatest miracle God the Father did. Jesus was, is, and will forever be the greatest miracle God the Father is doing. 
Jesus' word is and will forever be the greatest miracle God the Father will do for mankind. And this was why his disciples believed in him after this miracle. They had followed him because he was the love of God manifested. And now they believed in him after the miracle. The purpose of this miracle, you see that in John 2 verse 11, it says, the beginning of the miracle did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and the disciples believed on him. The purpose of this miracle was to reveal Jesus, the full, manifestations of God, full manifestation of God's love to man. When Jesus is revealed, God's love, God's power, and God's glory is revealed. And this is the greatest miracle ever. Now is your moment of salvation. If you are yet to make the Lord Jesus Christ, your Lord and personal Savior, we request that you say this prayer along with many others now. Say this words, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner, I repent of my sins, and ask that you forgive my sins. I believe that you shed your blood on the cross, died for my sins, and rose again in the third day. Today, I invite you into my life today. Wash me by your blood, make me your own, until eternity be my Lord and personal Savior. Thank you Lord Jesus, in Jesus' precious name. For your love gift of any amount to Grace Life Kami Podcast, kindly use any of our giving channels available, to give in dollars. You can send to Universal Merchant Bank Ghana. Account number 033-154-551-2013. Swift code M B G H G H A C to give in CDs. Universal Merchant Bank Ghana. You can send to account number 033-254-551-2017. To give in Naira, you can send to EcoBank Nigeria. Account number. 5541020592 Also for further enquiries you can call us on +233545947132 OR send us an email via chimdiohahunaministry@gmail.com Today remain ever blessed We believe you were blessed listening to this teaching from God's Word. May your soul remain ever refreshed and revived. We would love to hear your praise report today. Beloved, remain connected to Grace Life Comey Podcast. Jesus is Lord.